What's going on, everyone, and welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. We're in the evening hours, late evening hours of Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. Oh my goodness, what just happened? The Cardinals, five to four losers in San Francisco. They dropped the first two games of this series out west. It's the continuation of the road trip from hell as the Cardinals dropped two of three in Seattle. Uh, they've now lost two in a row in San Francisco and they had a chance with their de facto number five starter, Jake Woodford, on the mound today to get a win, to steal one. And they, I mean, there was every opportunity to do so. But the ugly play that we saw from the beginning of this game by the Cardinals, the errors, the two errors on one play, one of them committed by the guy in center field that I commented last night should be in there for a week straight because this team needs to find its identity. And defense can be part of that. They can support the pitching staff with good defense. Well, they didn't listen to the episode last night, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, that was a, the, the Dylan Carlson call that I made, although he had a nice di- uh, day at the plate, uh, that play in center field, man, that was brutal. The defense was brutal all the way around for the Cardinals. Uh, there were some nice plays. Burleson had, uh, the, the nice catch. They, they had some nice outfield plays, but the early going of this game, bad defense, right? And we thought this is ugly. Like y'all might've seen the tweet from me where I said, you can only say for so long that this team is doing poorly because of bad luck and just random things happening to them. Like, it's disgusting. It was disgusting to watch the Cardinals play the early portion of this game. But then they sort of figured it out as the game went along, right? Tommy Edmond had the home run to sort of make up for his own error, and then they figured out a way to, in the late innings of a game that they trailed, come up with a three-run eighth. It was a legitimate rally, right? Like, multiple base hits leading to multiple runs, a crooked number. The Cardinals are going to win this game. Not so fast. Another error at second base, leads to the rally. And Tommy Edmund was screaming in his glove earlier in the game after the first error. I saw the gift by Cardinals Gifts on Twitter. And so if that kind of gave you the insight into how the Cardinals were feeling, into how some of the individual players who know they are struggling, know they are struggling as a team, but then individually as well, to be making errors like that, the Cardinals end up with three errors on the night. And... uh Three errors on the night? Tell me, did they not rule the, the error in the ninth inning on the the hit to second base? That's got to be an error. Oh, I guess they did. Yeah, it was Contreras made the throwing error into center field. Carlson made the error not picking up the ball. Tommy was screaming into his glove for other reasons, I guess. It's been a whirlwind of a game. I, I, I'm i going to beg your pardon a little bit on that. Um, but then the, the Edmund play I, there in the ninth inning, it's a... Again, it happens just the same way that it did before. Edmonds' error in yesterday's game was not the reason they lost the game because the Cardinals scored this many. That's zero for those listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The YouTube crowd can see the big O. Uh, They didn't score yesterday. So it's like, all right, I can't pin the entire thing on that. But today, they came up with the exact rally that they needed. They had the runs they needed. I know four isn't that impressive of an output, but... The starting pitching had held it together through scotch tape and bubblegum. They had held it together. Jake Woodford's five and a third, allowing only two runs, uh, was was nice work. After another kind of grueling first inning, took a while to get through it. Same thing with Jordan Montgomery last night. Woodford was able to get through it. Hennessy's looked good tonight. Geo, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, but he got it done. And then Ryan Helsley was, I mean, he was playing from behind tonight, guys. Again, in the ninth inning, uh, you give up a bomb, you give up a bomb. I'm not defending that, but... The error sets a tone. This Cardinals team has had tone issues. They've had identity issues. We talked about the identity crisis last night. 
in the fact that what is this team's identity? Is it a team that's going to outslug you? Well, they scored zero runs yesterday. Is it a team that's going to outpitch you? No, I mean, they haven't had quality starts. They had two in a row. Woodford fell a couple of outs short of getting one tonight. But the starting pitching's been better, but it's not their identity, certainly not by the, by by this point. Um, the, the, the bullpen, I mean, you can't really have an entire team identity around what your bullpen is. I think the bullpen's going to end up being pretty good, but it feels kind of moronic to say that on a night where they, they gave up the game, but they had some help, right? The defense helped. The identity is a problem because, what was it? They're not elite enough in any one area with the way they're performing right now as a team to overcome the deficiencies of the other areas. I think it was Brandon Kiley of 101 that came up with the whack-a-mole uh, comment, which is to say, you fix one problem, you say, hey, tonight we've got this aspect solved. The clutch hitting late in the game. The Cardinals solved it. They figured it out. The three-run eighth. Okay, here are the other problems that are going to pop up. The defense is going to be worse than you ever could have imagined because they're going to make error after error, two errors on one play, and then when you just think they finally solved it and they've got it figured out, they're going to make another error, and it's going to lead to uh, giving up the game there in the bottom of the ninth. It's the whack-a-mole, man. They they solve one problem, another one replaces it, uh, and, and sometimes multiple problems replace it because the Ryan Helsley thing happened tonight. And I don't think Ryan Helsley, season-long, is a guy that you're going to fret too much about, but tonight is a is a glaring situation where they needed him to maybe be a little bit better than than necessary, better than he should have had to have been, right? He got the ground out to second base. That should be out number one. But there are going to be times where you don't get that and you don't get the benefit of the doubt and you don't get the fairness that should come in and you got to overcome. And, and Helsley obviously was not able to. Sable hits the home run. Giants win it 5-4. to four. All right, I'm going to get into the comments now after my little preamble there. Give me a like on YouTube. Give me a sub on YouTube. We've got more people in here than we've ever had. Some anger, let it flow through you. Let it flow into the comments section, and I will try to get to every comment that I can. Uh, Going to roll through here, beginning with uh, Hunter. All I know is pain and misery. That's nice. Yeah, give it a like, give it a sub, and continue to comment. I'm rolling through the comments now. Uh, Brent says, back-to-back night, as soon as I turn the game on, bad things happen. F your life. Well, Brent, uh, you shouldn't be watching, man. You you knew what was coming, I suppose. Uh, no, I really thought the Cardinals, once they had gotten that lead, it was like they had absolved some of the demons. They had gotten the clutch hits. Surely the bullpen wouldn't be the thing to let it down tonight, would it? Well, in part it was, but again, that inning begins with an error. And Edmund was already pissed off on the field. You saw the gif from from earlier in the game screaming into his glove. That's a dude that wants it. All these guys want it, and there's frustration in that room about the fact that right now they don't have it. But, man, to be the one in that situation that could have just made the routine play. I made the comment last night that Edmund, the, the one he botched, was 999 times out of 1,000 you make it especially if you're Tommy Edmond and a gold glove second baseman. Well, now it's two days in a row. He doesn't make that. I'm not going to say it was an identical play, but it's two plays that absolutely have got to be made, and he wouldn't say it any differently. But that's no like that's no consolation for the Cardinals or the fans right now. What is it, 9-15 and 15 on the year? That is brutal. Continue to like the stream, guys. Thank you. I'm getting into these comments now. The connection is better uh, than Ryan Helsley getting outs. Yeah, man. Like, again, I Helsley gives up the home run, so there is – that is what it is. You you have to, as the closer, be able to overcome some adversity. And so it was a, an L of a night for Ryan Helsley. But Tommy didn't put him in a very good position as a team. This could have been so avoidable. And once again, it's just like an example of guys not picking each other up. It just hasn't been able to happen for them lately. I don't think this is a 9-15 and 15 team, but that's the beauty of baseball. Like, what did Goldie say last week? You are what your record says you are at the end of six months. And so right now they're 9-15, and 15 and they're playing 9-15. and 15. Like, if you have these uh, this number of opportunities and you don't come through, 
and take advantage of a number of them, you end up 9-15. and 15. And right now the Cardinals are in the doldrums of it. There were moments tonight where you say, hey, if you win that game, that's what it feels like to sort of spark something and get something started. And then they lose it on a walk-off. What could have been an emotional high is now I think there is concern that it becomes something in the other direction. Like how much can this clubhouse take before the breaking point gets there and you start to see uh, the seams kind of rip apart a little bit on these guys? I think there's a tough group in there, but there's got to be a come-to-Jesus moment at some point in some way. This stuff just doesn't get resolved, I don't feel like. Um, An exorcism, something is needed at this point, and I thought maybe there was a chance they had it today. Um, but again, to, to climb the top of that hill and then, you know, roll back down the way that they did, that can be damaging. I don't know what this is going to look like, but it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to get back to the ballpark tomorrow. I'm sure on TV over there, Ali Marmel is saying, Hey, that's what we have to do. It's a long season, whatever. Maybe he has a little bit of a different tone. You guys will have to tell me, um, because something has got to give for this team that, I mean, I did not expect that, man. I did not expect that. Uh, let's see. All around me are familiar faces. Dominic is quoting uh, sad songs now. Bird calls. What's up? Uh, yeah, hanging slider. Listen, the pitch is what it was. If you make a bad pitch, you're gonna get punished by it. Doesn't matter who's in the batter's box. Uh, you know, it. You can't make that pitch in that spot. And uh, yeah, it was. He he hit a hit it a long way. Child is Scambino. What a cookie. Uh, Rob has been busting out too much of the whiskey the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pace yourself, Rob. It's a long season and like. We've been saying it's a long season in terms of keep the faith, but maybe we need to reverse that into, like, conserve your booze because you might need it as the the year goes along. Uh, Trevor believes the Cardinals have found their identity. He wants to prove me wrong. He says their identity is losing. So that's nice. Uh, No winning chemistry. Like, what do you say after a game like this? This, They've got the pieces that are there, and, like, you talk about starting pitching and the problem that it's been. All right, Jake Woodford gave you more than a chance to win tonight. That's three days in a row that you can say that about the starters because the prior two were quality starts. All right, that's a step in the right direction. Up until that ninth inning, the bullpen did a nice job. Geo, it was a little bit of a roller coaster, as I mentioned, but he got through it with a scoreless inning. That's a plus, you know, part of the team. Uh, You got clutch hitting. You'd like to see a little bit better of a performance in the bullpen game, but isn't that exactly what you expect? Other sides throw in a bullpen game. You're the St. Louis Cardinals. You've been struggling, and it's like they can match up with you every single inning now. That's almost like a curse if you're the Cardinals with the way that they're playing right now. But the factor in a bullpen game is you get into the late innings, they've used a lot of their relievers already. All the Rodgerses they're throwing out and making life difficult on the Cardinals, they matched up really well, did San Francisco. Kapler did a nice job. Uh, But eventually they run out of steam a little bit, and the Cardinals were there to take advantage of it offensively. So I give them credit for coming through in the clutch runners in scoring position they get it on second and third and Paul Goldschmidt says f this entire thing he probably wouldn't say that but he's thinking it and he just hits a liner off the glove of Crawford like that was the the release the emotional release that the Cardinals needed and to not be able to at the end of the night take advantage of that with a win is a gut punch and it's not just the fans that are feeling it I am sure the team is feeling it as well Chan the man is my diagnosis that an identity issue is present or is there more to it than that Listen, man, I can only sit here so many times and go, oh, no, you know, there's no turmoil in the clubhouse. Everything's good. Like, these kind of moments can create turmoil. I'm not saying it's there, uh, but it's, it's it hasn't been pretty. Eventually, you figure the wins are going to arrive, and when they don't, it's, going, it's only going to be human nature for things to begin to crack a little bit. 
Do I think that they have a foundation in place that is sound and solid? I still believe that. But again, I, I can only do this podcast a number of times in a row before I'm in your, your all's boat saying the same exact thing that you guys are feeling and saying as someone covering the team, uh, you know, it's a different perspective than the one you guys are bringing forth, but I'm objective. I'm a baseball fan as well. And I can look at that game and go, yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. This was a team that needed to come away with the win tonight. It needed to be a nondescript bottom of the ninth inning and it was anything but, and it started off with the error and that I don't know. I don't even know how you explain that at this point. Tommy Edmond is a gold glove second baseman. I don't know. It, it and I believe it was Edmund, right? In second, I, I, I almost positive that it was, um, yeah, because DeYoung came into the game. So, like, we can talk about that because I had a podcast last night where I said I don't agree with Paul DeYoung playing shortstop for this team and Tommy Edmund being the one to move. They said in spring training that Paul DeYoung had to be kind of the utility guy. Tommy Edmund has earned the job. He is this team's shortstop. I, I get it if you might say, well, Paul DeYoung doesn't have as much experience at second base as Edmund does, and so that's why they switch it that way. I don't care. It happened last night, and then to go back to it is a little bit stubbornness to me. And I think Ollie is a very good manager. I don't think he's having a great week. I don't think that was the right move, personally. I, I mentioned before the game that I wouldn't have had uh, Jordan Walker riding the pine again. Uh, Katie Wu was actually out in San Francisco, so she had the chance to ask Ollie Marmel about it. And if you saw her tweet... Jordan Walker working through a little bit of some some things right now with his swing and some things he's working on that they wanted to give him a couple of days to work through. And it coincides with right field at Oracle Park is a difficult place to play for a, a fielder who's below average, new to the position. Remember, Jordan Walker just picked it up after the trade deadline last season to become an outfielder. So all of those things are fine. But I kind of said, you know, I would put Jordan Walker in there every day. And the Burleson thing, I think, is maybe going to either run its course or, you're, you know, he's going to have a big game. You're going to have to find out one way or the other. Uh, he goes over today, did make a really nice catch in left field of all places. But that was just one of the things that before the game, I was kind of wondering about for Molly Marmel. We got the explanation, and that's good enough for me for a day. But, like, Jordan Walker either needs to play or be sent down. I don't think he should be sent down. So play him every day. Like, if he's going to be that dude, let's see if he can do it. Um, I get it. It's a very minor thing. In a, it's a footnote, right, in the whole realm of what's going on with the Cardinals right now, that Walker needs a couple of days to work through some things, and then he's going to be back in the lineup. But it's just one of those things. It's like, can this Cardinals team continue to afford all that latitude for those different areas of, of play? I would have liked to have seen Walker in there rather than out consecutive days. Minor footnote. But then we get back to the Edmund and DeYoung thing. You put him back at shortstop to start the game, and then you move him mid-game a day after he had that error. I don't know. I don't know. For me, DeYoung is the utility player. If he's replacing Taylor Motter, don't displace your guy that you've said is your starting shortstop. He is a very mentally tough individual, Tommy Edmonds, so I don't I don't doubt that coming in they should have figured he'll be fine. But last night it wasn't fine, and inexplicably so. And so you double down on that, which is okay. But now you're, again, I, if I had to guess, Ellie Marmel is saying that's not a factor. He's a gold glover at second. We figure it's going to be perfectly fine. Um, but, like, it wasn't. And I feel like if you replace Taylor Motter on the roster, you are the utility guy. And if they don't believe that Paul DeYoung is mentally uh, available to do that, physically capable of playing three different positions on the infield, that's weird to me because that was the whole assignment going into spring training for him. You're going to play some third. You're going to play some second. You're going to play some short. I get it with the back injury. He didn't get to get around to as many positions as often as they would have liked. Paul DeYoung needs to be your utility infielder. And to switch a guy in the middle of a game where the errors and the defense had already not been crisp – 
that might be something I would have done a little differently. Is it why the Cardinals lost the game? No, Tommy Edmond making the error is part of why they lost the game. He should still be able to execute. As a fielder, he's a gold glover, and he'll he'll say that's a play I make in my sleep. But he didn't make it today, and then Ryan Helsley hung a slider, and the rest is history. Give it a like on the stream if you're here. I'm going to continue to try to sort through these comments. There is a lot, so bear with me, guys. Uh, Patrick says, I'll just say this. The team looks bad. Moe's in denial, never held accountable for the bad decisions or teams. Ollie has regressed. Team can't field, can't pitch, can't hit consistently worthless. Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, it looks bad right now. A lot of what you said is like accurate to the, to the moment. Um, I think on paper, they're still better than they're playing. But again, baseball is a fair game. It will show over the course of a season what they are. And you do risk like if, like this was bad, the first half of this game. And then obviously the ninth inning was the worst game of the season in terms of like little league stuff happening. There cannot be a guy score from first on a, on a stolen base attempt of second. That absolutely cannot happen. That's Little League stuff. And it's so far removed from the Cardinal way. Like, it's it's not even the same sport at this point. If you if you are a team and an organization and a franchise that prides yourself upon that style of play and being crisp with it, and you have what happened tonight, like, it's only two guys, really three, because you, you Edmund, I guess it was, that doesn't catch the Contreras throw, but it was a bad, it was a terrible throw. It was awful. But then if you're Dylan Carlson, you just, I mean, you can't be lackadaisical enough that you don't make that play. And is it fair to, like, point out every little failure by a player? Probably not. These guys are pros. I'm just the dude on the sidelines talking about it. And six months go by, and they may only do something like that once or twice in a year. But it it's bad optics. It's a bad vibe. It's a bad feel when all of these things are happening at once in the middle of uh, just an inexplicably bad start for the team on the season, right? Like, they haven't won a series opener. That matters. It does. You can't you can't continue to just say these things that are problematic don't matter. Um, I get that, and, I, and Ollie's on the TV now, so if, if you all let me know what he's saying and what you think about it, because I won't be able to react to it. And I'm not saying like that he can fix it on TV with what he's saying right now. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but what what's going to give? Where comes the point where the Cardinals break through and find it? It's April. That's a, that's a fact of life, but it won't be April forever. It's the 25th of April. In a week, it's going to be May. And then I said mid-May, if they're still having problems, that's when you can kind of say, you know, there is maybe some validity to some of these things. And as much as I think, I said it last night, the starting pitching is not going to be something that we're talking about and worrying about to the extent that Cardinals fans have so far. In two months, the starting pitching will be so much better than it's been. And you're already, to me, seeing the signs of that a little bit the last three days. And even prior to that, like Miles Michaelis, his numbers are still bad. Look at the game logs. He's getting a little better every time. They haven't gotten blown up other than the Montgomery start six days ago. They haven't really gotten blown up with frequency in the starting rotation. They're not getting deep enough, and that's a problem that's going to cascade down to the bullpen. Um, And I can't really use Helsley as an example of that because he's already a guy that they are very careful with uh, to the extent that he's not available at times when sometimes they feel he needs to be, right? That's kind of what the whole arbitration thing was with Brian Helsley. And he was available tonight, rested and ready to go, and, and did not execute. So that's not... Tonight's not an example of, well, the starting pitching has just really screwed this bullpen. They're not rested enough to be able to perform. Ryan Helsley could have performed tonight, and he didn't. That's And again, it doesn't make him a bad player, but he had a bad night, and it was a bad time for it. Uh, the only thing, this is the only thing that excites you as a Cardinals fan right now. Well, I'm glad you're here, Brent. You've been here the last few nights, so you're my man on that one. Um, Daddy Padre wondering, WTF, did I just watch? I was wondering the same thing. Uh, my wife was upstairs, and I said, I don't remember what I said, but I said they lost again. 
And uh, we have a little running joke in our household about the confidence that I had internally uh, about the Cardinals to begin the season. And she kind of throws that in my face all the time now. I, I thought they might be pretty successful. And I was I made a comment to her to that end, and I was wrong. And now she doesn't let me forget it. So that's kind of funny. Uh, Daddy Padre is a new sub. Thank you for subbing, Daddy Padre. Um, even if your backup goaltender days are behind you, I still appreciate you, and I'm glad you're here. And if you haven't subbed, we do this all the time. This is going to be a regular thing, especially after road games. Um, a lot of the times at home games, I'm covering them at Bush, so I can't be in my basement doing this. Um, but a lot of times, and we'll do some in the afternoon while, while they're at home for those who like don't have real jobs like me. And so, uh, you know, sub on YouTube. This is going to be the, the party place this summer. Uh, Nate says, why? Just when things seem like they're working, the closer gets smoked. Isn't that the whack-a-mole theory? Brandon Kylie came up with that. I can't take credit for it. It makes so much sense, though. My phraseology of it was they're not elite enough in any one area to cover the deficiencies of the other areas of this team that are struggling, but it's kind of a different way of saying the same thing when you go, all right, we, we resolved the problem. We figured it out with runners in scoring position in the eighth. We're the St. Louis Cardinals, and we're going to win the game because of it. Not so fast. Your defense is still having problems, and your closer, a guy that you didn't even think to worry about for the past week or so, he's going to pick tonight of all nights to struggle. That is a team that is not in sync. It's inexplicable that it continues to happen, but it continues to happen, and we can't deny that it's happening. Your record is what you are, and so that's a struggle right now for the Cardinals. Caleb can't believe that it just happened, and I agree. Uh, Evan, looking at the bright side of life, says at least they didn't get shut out, and that's true. Like, there is something to be said for the fact that they battled in the eighth inning and were able to get it done, but my goodness, how many pitchers did the Giants use tonight? I'm going to look at it. Brebia, Manaya, Junis, Rogers, the other Rogers, Alexander Duvall. I don't even know how to say Hegeli's name, um, but he was able to get out of that jam. The Cardinals maybe needed more insurance there than they uh, than they ended up with in that ninth inning. Uh, was It seemed like maybe a chance to score some runs, and they didn't get it done. But that's what eight – is that eight or nine pitchers? I can't count. It's eight pitchers that they used. It's hard because two of them are brothers, and so I can't figure it out. Eight pitchers, and you only score off of, like, the seventh one to come out of the bullpen. Like, you know what I'm saying? They they had opportunities earlier in this game, but the Giants matched up against them so well that they they weren't able to score until late. It's good that you came around and did it, and it would have been enough on most nights, but whack-a-mole. You've got more problems, and the margins are so thin. If this Cardinals season has been anything, it has been an example of thin margins because they're not excellent in any area. I think the offense is still the thing that can pace this team, but it hasn't been good enough to do that consistently enough. And then you look at all the other little things that are going wrong, whether it's base running one night, it's defense another night. The defense bleeds into the pitching, which could have been starting or relief pitching. Like all of these things are stacking up and it's like a spiral of hell. You can't get out of it. And when you're in that clubhouse, I I have to imagine it feels the same way, right? It feels like you got to be kidding me. If Cardinals fans at home that don't do this for their life, although credit Cardinals fans, they are as passionate as they come. So it is kind of y'all's life. But if you're feeling the way you're feeling, they're feeling it too and probably to another degree. And they're the ones that can do something about it. But right now, for whatever reason, they have not been able to. So the frustration is going around for sure. Uh, Hopefully some of these comments will begin to kind of tell me how Ollie felt about it. I saw his facial expression. It doesn't surprise me. If I manage the team, I feel exactly like he feels tonight. It sucks. But they got to figure it out. If they're going to be the team that everybody thought they could be coming into the year, and the one that they claimed to be, and the one that they talked up in the offseason and said, we think we have enough, the one that John Mozeliak told Jim Hayes like five hours ago, hey, fan base, be patient, we think we've got the talent. Tonight's not the way to earn patience from the fan base. Like, I still think fans don't say the season's over, like you can say what you want, 
but I don't think y'all think the season's over because if you did, if you really thought it was over, not to try to kick you off my stream here, but you probably aren't even wanting to talk about the team. You are so apathetic at that point, and that could come by May or June if this continues. I, I don't doubt it, but I think even in your heart of heart, you kind of realize, well, it is still April. Who's to say they couldn't turn it around? But, like, the data is stacking up against them, and that's the scary part because on paper, I thought this team was easily better than the one they put together last year. Like, were there going to be some questions? Yeah, but I felt like depth-wise, they have so much more than they did. Like, think about the deadline last year when they had to go out and scrounge for pitching for the second consecutive July. I didn't think it was going to be to that extent this year, especially if they stayed healthy in spring, which outside of Adam Wainwright, they did. So I I was in the bullpen's been pretty good. Uh, I think some of the identity crisis comes from they've always been a sound defensive team, and this year they really have come into the season writing the analytics of, we're going to play Alec Burleson, and I don't think he's a great defender, although he showed me otherwise tonight with that catch in left field. I, I think his range suffers a little bit. It was like the play last night where the ball drops in right center field between him and the center fielder. It, so, like, it's not to say he's a bad defender, and I think the analytics and the metrics actually give him some favorable cues, but I look at it and go, that's not what the Cardinals have been in past years. They've been athletic at all three outfield spots. They've got gold glovers across the infield, and a lot of those pieces are still the same. The catcher is different, but I'll be honest, Molina had a really bad year last year and wasn't here for half the time, and Kisner didn't carry his weight offensively, and so they needed an upgrade like Contreras, but some of the things we're seeing behind the plate, at least that throw was bad tonight. But then again, he's been one of the better guys in baseball in terms of catching base runners attempting to steal. So how do I say, well, the the problem with Contreras tonight wasn't what a lot of Twitter thinks it is, like his framing or different things like that, his pitch calling. I don't think there are any issues with that. It was one really errant throw, which has been a strength of his game. How do you explain that and say that is now, you know, a, a small microcosm of the whole thing? It is so much that, like, they have guys that are struggling at stuff they don't usually struggle at, but it's not like this whole team sucks and, and that's proof. I don't think that's proof. I think that's like, wow, they're picking a really bad time to have a lot of flukes. But if you have this many flukes in one month, keep doing it. That's who you are. So that's where the Cardinals are at right now. Hunter says he's injecting an IV of Everclear. I'm going to recommend against that officially. Um, but if you've if you've liked the stream already, that at least helps me. So I, don't do it regardless, but at least like the stream and sub on YouTube uh, because this channel will be very, very active for Cardinals talk throughout the summer. Uh, Haley, what's going on? Uh, Benden, yeah, that's me. Uh, Brandon says the team is trash and he's STL everything. So that's good. Uh, Chan, need the uh, Kyle Reese collab on the podcast again. Yeah, I feel like Kyle is a very good embodiment of, like, the way Cardinals fans are feeling right now because he is sort of like, uh, you know, stand back and watch it burn, hashtag, and uh, it would be fun to talk with him again. We'll try to set that up if people would enjoy that. Uh, we had him on B-Shape Daily, and I think it was our most listened to episode. So if I were smart about the way to handle a podcast, I would bring him on again. Imagine being a Celtics and a Cardinals fan today. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I don't know what the Celtics... I, I I don't understand how you lose that game. Uh, The same thing last night with the Bucs. It just doesn't make sense. Up by 10 in the fourth, and then you lose. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Drinking profusely in hopes of never having to see the team play again. That's Trevor. Guys, I don't like to talk. Uh, there is help out there. It's I, I don't know what the help is right now for the Cardinals, but uh, let's drink responsibly out here, okay? As much as possible. I get it. I do. Uh, in all reality, what's the solution? Josh asks, is there one? No, there's not like an immediate move. Like, what's the move you make? You're going to fire the manager right now based on what we saw tonight? I don't think so. I don't think you're going to fire the manager because I actually still think he's a good one. Um, but there are things that remind you of Mike Matheny 2018 right now. I'm not going to lie to you. 
I don't think the manager is the same situation. I saw behind the scenes of that, and I see behind the scenes of this, and they're not the same situation is the best way I can phrase it. Uh, I don't want to get too sucked into that world tonight just because, uh, you know, I don't think I, – I think that's like a, a podcast on its own, and it's one we've done. Like, you scroll back on the feed. I've, I've had this conversation before, um, but at the same time, like, Ollie is facing a part in his managerial career where he hasn't really had to do this before. Last year, he had Skip Schumacher as a bench coach, and I think that was really helpful. Now he's sort of, you know, you've got a new staff in many ways, so you're learning to collaborate with this group together for the first time, and you're going through some strife right now because the team's not winning. How do you respond to that as a young manager? Like, I think he's a very sharp guy, but this is something we have not had to see Ali Marmel go through yet. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what he is able to do. But in terms of, like, John Mozeliak sitting there punching numbers, I don't think there is an immediate answer other than to say, good grief, can something go our way? Hope you stay healthy. Hope that an Adam Wainwright comes back and gives you a jolt. But he didn't look too great tonight. Um, and, and he can win, I think, at the MLB level with 87 miles per hour. But he can also get knocked around at 87 miles per hour. And I don't think you're going to get any more out of him. If it was going to come out of Adam Wainwright – it would have done so by now. He's going to live in the mid-80s, and they're going to see if that's enough. Um, Jake Woodford, though, I think tonight did enough to at least consider uh, keeping him in the bullpen, keeping him around on on notice just in case. But again, that's like you can look at every little element in the corner of this roster and find things that have, have gone poorly, but then things that are like, well, if that gets fixed, is the whole thing fixed? No. So that's what gets so tricky. Like There are so many areas that they're that they are deficient in right now. Um, but by the same token, they can turn around and it's margins at every spot. Like, I don't think there's any spot on this roster that is abysmally bad. There are five or five or six elements that are like slightly below average. And on some days they're pretty good, but then they, they drop down at the worst possible time and become detriments once again. And tonight that was the defense and that was the, the bullpen in the way that, that Ryan Helsley gave it up with the, with the hanging slider. Uh, there's something rotten going on in that locker room, says Jesse. We need to cook. Great Breaking Bad reference on the screen name there. Um, there might be now, you know, and like the Tyler O'Neill thing was at the beginning of the year. I made this case the other day. This might have been last night where people said, did that O'Neill thing with Ollie and O'Neill kind of going at it, did that hurt the morale of the clubhouse? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's certainly possible. It's certainly possible that it did. And I've, I've had several people send me, well, Trevor Plouffe and Jack Flaherty are very close. And it sounds like Trevor Plouffe seems to believe there's something, you know, rotten in Denmark. And so, like, there may be some validity to that. But at the same time, you know what cures it is winning. And that happened, like, the first, second week of the season, the O'Neill stuff. And you know what hasn't happened since then? The Cardinals haven't won. They haven't had a winning streak that cures all of that. And so if that's still something that... If people had ill feelings about, they've probably forgotten it, but the stench still kind of lingers in the air, right? And whether who was at fault for that whole ordeal doesn't really matter. But I'll say this in some reason, and, and Tyler O'Neill came up with a big clutch hit tonight, so it's not to bag on Tyler O'Neill. Like, that's what this needs to look like. The guys who don't start on a given night, they need to still be able to come through within their role. And Tyler did a great job of that. Paul DeYoung uh, did a great job of that as well, coming up with a with a base hit to help that rally along as well. But really, the problem is, like, I've still seen from different players, like, the lackadaisical play. And a couple of times from O'Neal, I think we talked about it two or, you know, one or two weeks ago with the plays at Bush Stadium where it was like he had a he had a triple easily legged out if he was running out of the box, but he wasn't. And so, like, that's the one example I can think of off the top of my head. But there have been little things like that where you look and go, that's not really Cardinals baseball. And so is that still all stemming from just the vibes that were off to begin the season? I don't know how legitimate that is, but I think there might be some legitimacy to it. 
And winning is what cures it, but sometimes you have to manifest the winning, and right now they don't have enough to do it. But I think the guys in the room can be enough, but like they all have to be rowing in the same direction, and how many weeks can you go without doing that before you just start to believe about yourself, eh, we're not that team. And that's the danger that I think the Cardinals are in right now. They might be talented on paper, but if they start to lose belief in themselves, which, you know, Ali Marmel will probably continue to say is not going to happen. But if that were to happen, it could get ugly quick. Uh, Nefarious says he's done. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Rob says it's too early to hit the panic button, but good Lord. That's like the, the quote of the night. That's exactly how I still feel. Like you can acknowledge the good Lord aspect of what we're seeing while still saying it is still April. Let's just wait and see. Ryan says, where does the team go from here? I wish I had better answers for you guys. Uh, Seth is trying to organize uh, a better team to cheer for. Mental health questions, zero leadership. I mean, I think there's leadership on this team, and I think there is in the clubhouse too. A lot of questions about, well, no Albert, no Yachty. Has that changed things? Well, I think it's changed the dynamic, but I don't think it's it's that they don't have the leadership or even the vocal leadership. Like, Nolan Arenado is a vocal leader when he needs to be. Paul Goldschmidt is more of a lead-by-example guy, but those are two of the best veterans in baseball, and I think Contreras can be a positive force for uh, what, a, what a clubhouse culture looks like. Uh, maybe it's hurt him a little bit that Adam Wainwright's sort of been, uh, you know, hands-off because he hasn't been, uh, I guess he's not been traveling with the team as much, probably, when you're on the injured list. Um, he's been around for the most part at home games, but now he's in Wichita or wherever the hell Springfield is tonight. And so that's an aspect of it as well. I think they've got good leadership, and I think Ollie Marmel is a good leader. But his leadership is being tested right now, and he's going to have to find a way to come out on the other side of it. Uh, Tanner says the coworkers that are Giants fans are not sending him nice messages. Uh, Tanner, you're going through it, my man, out there in San Francisco. That is rough right now. Uh, rough place for a Cardinals fan to be this week. Uh, and, and our producer, Mickey, on the radio show on KTGR, he came in with a, with a Giants hat on today. Everybody's giving it to Cardinals fans right now, man. Uh, Corey says, we've not experienced this as a Cardinals fan in forever. I don't know how other fan bases do it. You guys feel like Ricky Bobby in like the negative way. You're like, I don't know what to do with my hands uh, other than click the remote and turn off the TV is kind of the thing. Yeah, Jeff brought up the term that they don't like to really have people bring up in baseball uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, the, the Y word, the yips word. I don't know that it's that, but I do think it's kind of alarming to have two plays like that take place in, in the span of two days. They both happen at second base. That's a little bit weird. Uh, we're getting some word on the post-game show from Bally. Uh, John says that Alexa and, and Al Arboski were criticizing Helsley quite a bit. I'll criticize him for the slider. It's a terrible pitch, um, but I don't think he's a terrible player. And so that's where you want to you want to kind of keep things in perspective, and that can be difficult to do in dark moments. Uh, these are still, first of all, they're humans, and so you want to give them some grace from that perspective. But also, like, they they play for the team you cheer for, and they would love nothing more than to have gotten this win tonight. And so if, if you're looking at Ryan Helsley, it's like, Dude was an all-star last year. I know there was kind of a famous moment in October that Cardinals fans weren't too fond of when it came to him, but I still think he's a guy that if the Cardinals are going to get where they want to go, he's got to be part of it. Um, so, like, I'll criticize his inability to overcome an error in that spot and to, to throw a cookie to Sable in that in that position to end the game, um, but he was also very close to getting out of it, and so you wish he wouldn't have made that pitch. He had some bases open and some, some ways you could have worked with it. I don't know offhand who was... Uh, coming up in that lineup, but um, I mean, you had, it looks like Villar's spot, the bottom of the lineup. You don't want to turn it over, but it's not like Lamont Wade Jr. is just as as deadly of a leadoff hitter as some of the guys behind him. So you could have tried to be a little careful in that spot, and he didn't. He was too fine. Like, I don't understand the number of hanging sliders and, and curveballs at the top of the zone. J Jake Woodford had one. I don't think anybody replied to my uh, GIF I posted because I didn't really specify what it was about. 
but I just Googled or I, I Twitter searched for, for a GIF of just like a ball on a tee and a little kid just knocking it out of the park because that's what it felt like on the, I think it was Yaz, Yastrzemski that hit the homer off of Woodford. That is at the top of the zone, and it's a hanger. You you basically could just put it there on a string and let the guy tee off on it into the cove. Like, those pitches are happening too often, and Jake Woodford's a guy that's got to live at the bottom of the zone. He was saying three starts ago that he had to be better about missing. If you're going to go high, you better go climb the ladder all the way up where it's not going to be swung at or it's going to be a chase pitch. Uh, otherwise, stay in the zone, stay below the zone. That's Jake Woodford's game, and he's gotten away from it, allowing way more home runs this season than we typically see from him. Uh, I don't want to ride him too hard, though, because he had a pretty good game and uh, was not the reason the Cardinals lost today. Fly Navy says this is exactly like bad teams play. Yeah, right now the Cardinals are a bad team. I don't think they are. I don't think they're going to stay that way, but they're playing like it at the moment, and that's kind of been difficult for people to watch. Uh, Burleson is this year's Corey Dickerson for me. Well, here's the thing about Corey Dickerson. Like he ended up having decent numbers, but it was kind of a, 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 a challenge to get him there. Right. Uh, and Dickerson wasn't much of a fielder. Burleson did have a very good catch tonight. I don't want to dismiss that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I said coming in, Carlson should be your center fielder for a leak, uh, a, a leak for a week. Let it ride and see what it looks like. Put Walker in right field because he needs to play. Newbar is going to be your left fielder. Uh, sorry to O'Neill, but be ready for your spots, which he was. O'Neill was ready for his spot tonight. Um, but Dylan Carlson had a pretty boneheaded play. He did look pretty good at the plate, though, so I would continue to ride him. Um, you, this is where you got to be careful as the manager of what things am I going to have a gut wrench reaction to and make changes because of it, and where am I going to let things stay the course? The Carlson one is one I would let stay the course because he's a dude whose confidence has... Uh, like, if it's not been shot, I don't understand how because they have pretty much buried him, and I understand the difficulty surrounding that because you've got five guys for three spots. But when it comes to Dylan Carlson, you cannot tell me he has been afforded the same latitude as Tyler O'Neill for one or Burleson for another. Uh, and you might say, well, they believe in Burleson's bat more. That's great. I believe that Dylan Carlson needs to be afforded some of that latitude. That's what I believe. And I'm looking at a 9-15 and 15 team, so... That I, I said it. I, usually I don't do this. I don't go on record and say, here's what the Cardinals should do. Here's the move I would make if I were manager. Because a lot of times, almost every time, the manager is going to be smarter than me and I'm going to be made to look foolish because of it. But when the vibes are this far off, I'll join, I'll join in the fun. Like, fans, you're welcome to do it. I would like to do it as well and say, man, I'm going to ride Dylan Carlson because I don't think he's gotten a fair shake. Um, but it didn't look good and it did not feel good to stomach it when he just kind of a lackadaisical play to not be focused enough to just pick up the baseball there on the uh, throwing air by Contreras. I would ride with him, but is that, like, this is a test of the leadership of Ali Marmel. Is he going to say, this is a guy that I want to show right now in this moment that, hey, Tyler O'Neill effed up earlier in the season, and what did I do? I put him right back in there on Friday. This is your t- this is your chance as Dylan Carlson to maybe get that. I don't know what Ali Marmel is going to do with it. I'll be very curious to see. Um, they didn't count the first two should be errors on Edmund. Yeah, I got to go back and look at exactly where the errors happened um, on some of those infield hits. They didn't give errors, said Nate. So that is definitely interesting. Uh, bad pitch selection by Hells. And, you know, like Contreras does call the pitches. But at the same time, I don't think Contreras said, hey, throw this slider middle-middle and make sure it gets up in the zone so that Sable can see it and tee off on it to dead center. I don't think Contreras was saying that. Execution of pitches is just as important, if not more important, than the calls that are made uh, of the guy telling him to throw them. So uh, Rob says he can't comprehend how a team like the Pirates with their lineup could put up seven per night. The Cardinals have a good lineup on paper, four or five. It's a great question. 
can, can I answer with the, the the word vibes? Like, can I can that be my answer? Because the Pirates have the Andrew McCutcheon vibes. They have the Johan Oviedo vibes of like young players. Kind of, they're they're very dangerous because they're not as talented as they're playing. But nobody, you know, it's like nobody's told them, or if anybody has told them, they're not listening to it. It's very fascinating. Um, do I think it's sustainable for a full year? No. In the same way that I don't think it's sustainable for the Cardinals to be as bad as they've been, I don't think it's sustainable for the Pirates to run away with the Central. But you can't argue with uh, with what they're able to do over there. And some of it's approach, right? Like, do the Cardinals effectively need to change their approach as an offense? Because I don't know if there were a ton of strikeouts. They're not typically a huge strikeout team. Um, but, like, when you have another uh, another game in a row where – yeah, I mean, eight strikeouts is pretty standard for this day and age in baseball. I'm not going to say that that was a problem tonight. Um, but it's just like the approach, they, there were a lot of feeble innings is the way I would put it. A lot of innings that you didn't really think the Cardinals were going to muster anything. Uh, I'd have to check the left on base numbers. They only had five left on base. So it really wasn't that kind of night. Two for seven with risk, that's fine. Um, it, you, you just kind of have to figure out on a given night what the approach is going to be. And there are guys that are kind of going through it, right? Like, we can look up and down the lineup. Arenado with an Ofer, he has looked bad right now, uh, going through some things with his swing. Uh, Gorman with an Ofer, probably didn't expect to see that, but I also didn't realize it would be a true bullpen game. I thought there would be a bulk reliever, Jacob Junis, and I thought Gorman might be able to get to him, and we didn't see that tonight. They did a good job. Gabe Kapler, if you're going to have a bullpen game, this is the way to run it, By and the Giants were able to pretty much carve the Cardinals up because of the bullpen game. And now we'll see over the rest of the series if that has an impact or not. The Cardinals need to be able to take advantage of that if they can. Which means, what's your approach going to be against tomorrow's starter? It better not be first pitch swinging, but at the same time, be aggressive when they throw your pitch. That's where the Cardinals, I think, have been lacking in a lot of ways this year. I can point to last night, Lars Newbar as an example of that, right? Base is loaded. We talk about the Cardinals want to be aggressive in the strike zone when they swing which doesn't always mean lay off the first pitch, but like it feels like they're backwards sometimes when they should be laying off the first pitch. They're swinging at it and grounding out weekly to third last night like Lars did. So it's just a little bit in between on those things, but that is a a wholesale approach that you can try and implement. As a Cardinals team, you can have those hitters meetings, which they do, um, but something's got to break through in those to be able to, to see the progress on the field. Uh, the Cardinals lineup on paper is indeed fantastic. I totally agree with Rob on that. And Rob, we might just have to do a podcast. I know you're in- interested enough in Cardinals baseball that we could probably do something with that for sure. Uh, the Pirates are aggressive on the bases. I don't know for sure. I haven't seen enough Pirates baseball to be able to comment on that. But I do think that's what the Cardinals should be doing. But you have to do it effectively. And I feel like other teams have taken more advantage of the rule changes than the Cardinals. And it's not like it's caught them by surprise. They talked a lot about how they were going to implement those things. But I just don't think I've seen enough of it in terms of the way they've run the bases. I think they've regressed almost on the bases from what we're used to seeing. Uh, how many people are going to blame it on Ollie? Genuinely curious. I don't know. You'd be surprised. I saw a lot of fire Ollie already. And like tonight's not an example of that to me. Um, but, you know, people are upset. They're going to be upset. And I totally get that. <clears throat> uh, give me one second here, guys. Uh, Michael says not adding on in the ninth, and that was an issue. I mentioned, like, I can't pronounce that reliever's name, Helly. I'll call him Yelly, Jellybean. Uh, they they could have gotten to him, and they didn't. And I felt like, uh, it's probably fine because you've got Ryan Helsley. But, like, now that I think back on it, that was maybe more of an, an omen than it, than it otherwise could have been. Uh, Josh, on paper, poorly managed with the logjam in the outfield and no ace in the rotation. 
again, I think the rotation, like, tell me what the problem with the rotation the last three days has been. There, there hasn't been one the last few days. Um, Steven Matz could end up being that problem. Isolate him and say, what does he do? We'll get to see that this week. Um, he's the one guy that you can replace in the rotation, I'll be honest. And I really don't think it's easy to do that because he's got two more years under contract, $11 million per year for the next couple. But, like, if the if the results continue not to be there, he's the one that I think if the Cardinals had an obvious answer, like if Libertor was just absolutely carving guys up in Memphis, I'm not saying they'll do it in April, but could they do it in June? Could they make that swap in June? Yeah. Um, they could make it in May even. It just depends on how bad things get. But elsewhere in the rotation, I think Montgomery, Flaherty, both guys moving in the right direction. Uh, Wainwright's a, a TBD. I can understand skepticism over him based on, uh, the velocity concerns, but like I've said before, the last time I counted him out was I think 2019, and I was like, well, I was a dummy, and so I don't do that anymore when it comes to Adam Wainwright. Uh, I'll let him, I'll let him show me when he's done this time. Uh, so I'm assuming that he's going to be okay. He's not going to be an ace, I don't think, but he'll be he'll be solid and a contributor is the way I view him coming back, uh, even despite the way it looks right now for him in the minor league games, which I get. If you're concerned about that, you just got to let it play out because that's what the Cardinals are going to do. Um, but then Miles Michaelis is the other starter, and I feel like I feel like he's going to be okay as well. And if you look at the recent game logs, he's like he hasn't had that one v- vintage Miles where he throws a 98 pitch, eight inning, one run game. But I feel like that game is coming for him, and there have just been some circumstances where he's he's had the, that one inning per game that's prevented it lately. Uh, let's see, Helsley only threw four fastballs. Yeah, and I mean, we saw that with Jordan Hicks, right? Before they demoted him to non-leverage, and now he looks great again. It was like he wasn't comfortable with his fastball. And those are maybe conversations that need to happen because it continues to come up. Like, all right, is it Contreras calling for these pitches? Are you calling it on Pitchcom and you're just not comfortable with the fastball? Because those are things that, like, a Dusty Blake has to be able to get his hands on and and get dirty a little bit in those rooms and say, hey, what are what's the communication right now looking like? When you're not confident in what should be your best pitch, Ryan Helsley is your fastball, and that's kind of the notion with Hicks as well before he sort of found it back. they got to figure out, all right, are we going to stay away from this because you can't command it, you don't feel confident in it? And then, like, the, the catcher, which is not to say that Contreras can't and won't do these things, but I think the onus is going to be on him as well to be able to hone in those conversations, and it's a new environment for him. You know, he was with the team in spring training, which is great, didn't go to the World Baseball Classic. Um, but I still think there's a learning curve there, and he's continuing to have that. Um, but I don't question Contreras' leadership or his will to win. He wants to win, and so I think he's going to put in the work behind the scenes to get these things straightened out. But right now, like you can look at it with different pitchers. Last week it was Hicks. Now it might be Helsley, where it's like, all right, what is the pitch mix, and why are we doing things the way that we're doing, and who's calling what? Like With Pitchcom, I admittedly don't know. It could be the pitcher calling it more than I realize, uh, or at least kind of guiding it a little more than he's been able to in the past. That would be a good question to ask. Uh, set up your super chats, man. Uh, here's the thing, Anthony. I've got to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube before I can be eligible for the creator program. Uh, and super chats for tips are a part of that. I absolutely am hopeful to do that someday. Need all y'all to subscribe, continue to like my content, all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll be there before you know it. But uh, that's not something I can set up just yet. I appreciate you asking about it, though. That That's nice support for me. Uh, the log jam in the outfield isn't a bad thing necessarily, said Rob, um, which I agree with. Like, having more talent is better than less talent. But where it does become a little bit of an issue is, like, if guys, like the humans behind the, the baseball stats, if they aren't comfortable and confident in the way they're going to be used moving forward, are you maximizing them and getting the most out of them? 
that's something that Ollie has to wrestle with daily. Uh, he says, also, a lot of teams don't have an ace. Feels like the Cardinals uh, are getting killed by something new every night. Totally. It is totally that. It's the whack-a-mole. It's the fact that they don't have elite play in any one area. And when they do have good play in one area, good is not counteracting the two or three other bad areas that, that crop up on any given night. And tonight it was the, the defense struggling, and it was Ryan Helsley throwing a bad pitch. And I would I would put it a little bit on the offense as well, although they did come through late. It just you would have liked to have seen it not take so long. Yeah, you're in 0-2. Where's the 102 mile per hour? Uh, Ask Christopher, and I couldn't agree more. If he's not confident in that pitch right now, that's a bummer, but that's something that he and Contreras have got to be on the same page about. Uh, Scambino does not blame Ollie for going to Helsley. No, you can't blame Holly. What? Why is that even a why is that even a question? He's the closer. He, there's literally nobody else you'd go to. If anybody's out there saying Ollie's at fault because he even went to Helsley in the first place, send me a DM on Twitter and we can have a, a candid conversation because that's silly. The error killed you. Ryan allowed the blast. That is correct. The Cardinals are mid. They might be. Realistically, are the Cardinals sellers at the deadline? No. I'm I'm it's too early for that for me. Um because again, on paper, they're a good team, and so you should still have the foundation to be able to be good in 2024 uh, with a few changes, If they even if they do stink this year. So I don't think they're selling. Um, and and like, I won't even think about the contracts that you could sell. It's, I, I don't care enough about that yet. It's April. Um, but, Josh, ask me again in a month if things are still bad. Um, let's see. Chris, Helsley won't be an issue this season tonight. was magnified due to how things have been going. Could not have said it better myself. Lane says it's painful, and it is. Uh, Nefarious is still telling us that he's done watching the Cardinals, uh, which would be fine. If it's better for your mental health not to, then I cannot blame you. Uh, Padre says the division is not great, and the wild card is there. How long till we see change? Like Walker down to get some at-bats, call up Libertor, I don't get it. Well, like I said, we can go through each of these if you want. Jordan Walker, I think, should be playing every day, whether that's in Memphis or in, in St. Louis. I think it should personally be in St. Louis because if you made the decision at the beginning of the season to bring him up, I think going back on it looks a little bit rough, and it's like admitting a mistake. I think he's capable of figuring it out at this level. You don't want to F up his development, though. And so sitting him on the bench for multiple days, even though Ollie tells Katie Wu that it's because they're trying to work on his swing, which is fine. He manages the team. I don't. But I don't think you can just do that for very many days in a row. He needs to be in the lineup tomorrow. I feel that way. Um, I'm just a bum, and Ollie can tell me to my face that I was wrong, and I might have been. But, like, the way I feel about it is that Jordan Walker needs to play. And so if they've given him a couple of days to work on things, that's great. Where do you go from here? And I get it. Jordan Walker has struggled. And so that's where John Mozeliak, Ali Marmel, like it's a difficult spot to be in for all those guys to collaborate on what to do with it because they think this kid is so great. And I think he is going to be, and they trust his ability to kind of battle through some things. But I mean, you're talking about swing changes and we're four weeks into the season. Like, that's fine. I'm sure those kinds of things happen all the time in, in, in a baseball season. But he's one of your bright young players. If he's here on the roster, I'd like to see him playing. And so I think that's a move that you could make if you don't if you don't think in the crowded outfield that it's worth letting him work through the struggles right now. Yeah, then you might have to send him down, and it could be a bit of a, of a tough pill to swallow and a bit of a PR hit. But, it, you know, sometimes you got to do those things. If you think he should be here, I think he should play. And I think he should play every day, which is why I've said he's not a great fielder. So you're going to find DH time for him, which might mean less Brendan Donovan if he's not performing, right? And I think Brendan Donovan's a bang-up player, but uh, another 0 for 2 tonight before you took him out of the game. Uh, and, and that was for, you know, splits reasons and platoon reasons. But, like, if you're really wanting to get Jordan Walker in the lineup and you're not sure about his fielding in, in San Francisco, 
DH in tomorrow, and I don't know offhand who the Giants are throwing, so I could be wrong about that. It is always going to be matchup dependent. But DH him and put Nolan Gorman at second base, and Brendan Donovan kind of rides the pine for a little while. That's what's so tricky is you've got a number of names, I'd say about 10, maybe 11 names, that you're like, that guy could be in the everyday lineup, but the Cardinals can't do that. They've got nine spots. And depending on who's pitching, it's going to change day-to-day on what they're actually going to do with those nine spots. And so it is tricky for a manager, and that can be maybe difficult and more difficult than we give credit to in terms of massaging the egos and, and even the guys who don't have an ego, but just massaging the the the, the mindsets of all of these players to say, here's what we expect of you. Here's how we're going to use you. I know it's not what you're used to, but we need you to buy into this. If that buy-in's not happening, then maybe that's how 9 and 15 comes to be. But I, I don't I can't think of a lot of guys on the team that I'd say, nah, he's a selfish guy. He's not going to buy in. I don't think the Cardinals are filled with all those types of players, but it's human nature to be like, man, this sucks. Like, I feel like I I don't have an opportunity. And then when I do Dylan Carlson make a mistake tonight in the one chance that I get in center field, am I going to be punished for it? Like, these are things that I think the guys are going to have to ask themselves, and uh, they're not comfortable questions either. It's a tough world, man. And so to answer Padre's question, like, what do you do? There is no obvious move. That is the problem. No, you don't call up Libertor unless you're going to say right now, Steven Mass doesn't make another start. Like, if that's the way you feel, then, okay, like, that's the move you can try and make. Is it going to be a guaranteed success? I don't think so, because Libertor's last start, I don't think, was all that good. Didn't he give up five runs recently? Matt's was uh, five innings, five and a third, and gave up four his last outing. Had seven Ks, though. It was just the one inning that got him. And so, like, the ERA sucks, but he's going to get a chance. I guess he's going tomorrow. He follows Woodford. So, like, big opportunity for him. I, I think Libertor could be an answer at some point. But, is like, tell me what difference Matthew Libertor would have made so far over the last couple of days. None, because he wouldn't be in that spot in the rotation. It's other problems, man. That's the thing. There can be one move that that acts as sort of a, a pseudo spark to fix the other stuff and to let it go into line just from like a vibes perspective, but you also have to have players that are making those things happen. Lane says he thought they'd locked it down with Helsley. Yeah, well, I think they thought that too, and that's why they brought him in, which again, he's the only guy you're going to bring in. He's your closer. There's no issue there, uh, but they also probably thought Tommy wouldn't make an error and then Helsley wouldn't give up a bomb. They probably thought all of those things, and then they happened. And not to mention the 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 double into center field that that scored the first run to make it four to three, like that was rough. Ian, how bad does it have to get for the front office to be on the hot seat? Ten games under at the five hundred break, or uh, ten games under five hundred at the break? He says, "Great question. You're not going to like my answer. Like other guys in the front office could get fired if they wanted to do a little dog and pony show. They could fire Gersh or something like that. Like, but this isn't Mike Gersh's fault. Like John Mozeliak is in charge of this thing, and John Mozeliak said at winter warm up." hey, we didn't really look in the shortstop market for a high-end bat. We didn't really look in the starting pitching market. Candidly, those weren't areas that we were heavily pursuing. And we may look we may look back on that, he said, and that's going to look like a, a strategic mistake. But our hope is that it doesn't and that we do have enough. That's almost verbatim what he said. And so, like, the front office, you can look that direction because they did build this team. But in terms of firing somebody, firing somebody that has any actual – impact on this thing, like, it would just be for show. John Mozeliak is going to pick his date of retirement with the Cardinals. And that date might not be all that far off. I don't think it is. Like, this contract that he just signed in, in spring, it goes through 2025. By the end of it, he won't be the guy in charge. I that's This is just my personal speculation and opinion on it. He's talked about kind of 
diverting some of the responsibilities, right? If you if you saw his press conference when he signed the deal, that was something that was being discussed then. I took that to mean, I think before the deal is even done, he's going to be kind of stepping back in a little bit of a way like uh, David Stearns did in Milwaukee. I'm not saying it's identical because Mo has a lot more equity built up in St. Louis uh, than, than Stearns did in Milwaukee. But like he's going to be hands-off more by 2025. That's my opinion. And Bill DeWitt, and John Mozilek, that is a relationship that is very trusted. They are going to collaborate on how to fix this. They're not going to have one turn against the other and fire the other. That's not what Cardinals fans want to hear. But John Mozilek is he's Cardinals baseball. He's not going anywhere um, now unless it's his own choosing, right? And he may say, well, it, like let's say we get into a world where things are so bad, he says, I'm just going to step away because it looks like the Cardinals need new leadership. I'm not going to say that's impossible to happen in 2024, um, I don't really expect it, but like, I don't expect the Cardinals to lose 90 games either. So we'll see what happens uh, and, and then kind of react accordingly. But yeah, basically nobody's getting fired. And if somebody does, it'll be like firing, you know, the bench coach, which I guess technically does have an impact, but really, yeah, it's not, it's not the kind of, it's going to be just to placate fans at that point. It's not going to be, it's not like the guy who gets fired, was so bad at their job that they deserve it. It's just like, well, it feels like heads need to roll because we lost 90 games. That's what it would be. And I don't think that's necessarily fair, but that's the way the business works. Uh, really needed the extra run in the top of the ninth, said Christopher. Uh, yeah, they did. Runner on second, one out, didn't score, 100%. Uh, Chris gets it. Helsley will blow a few. It's magnified because of all the losing so far. I couldn't, could not have said it better. Uh, Mike says the team's hard to watch. Nefarious wants me to check my DMs on Twitter. I will. If you send me a DM at bshafer12 on Twitter, I'll get to it. Um, we're about an hour into this. We're going to go for about 10 or 15 more minutes. I'm getting closer to the bottom of the comments. I see Carter has jumped in saying tremendously bad vibes. Uh, Carter, I hope the soccer team won, bro. I, I did not pay attention to the end of that game. Uh, polling Geo after 14 to 9. I don't know what that was. Geo is not the closer of the team, if that was your question. Um, I don't know what the 14 to 9 is, fandom. Uh, CJ says that was the worst, the worst loss of the season and he wants to cry. And then he does cry. That's a nice emoji. Yeah. It was the worst loss of the season. No doubt. Uh, Jonk says the team is jinxed. Get voodoo ceremony to exercise the club. I don't think it's crazy. Miles, you got the sage, bro. The sage, maybe that'll be what you need. Um, is this the Valley? The team needs to finally see to rise from the ashes. It cannot get much worse. Like that's the thing. We're just all kind of watching and waiting right now for the moment of truth. Like, all right, there's the kick in the ass they needed. Now they're going to go be the Cardinals again. Maybe tonight was so jarring that it happens from that, but it could also go the other way. I can't pretend to have an impact, and I wasn't in that clubhouse tonight. So, uh, yeah, 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 pulling Geo. I guess the question was, like, pulling Geo for the ninth inning um, instead and having Helsley go. Helsley's your closer. I don't I don't think that's I, – I don't think there's anything that's uh, – to be critical there. Helsley's your closer. That's the, the closer situation. Uh, Geo, honestly, was a little bit uh, roller skatery in in the eighth there. And so, I no, Helsley's going to pitch in that spot 10 times out of 10, especially with the rest that he had had. Uh, yeah, you want Libertor called up, which I understand. Where's he going to pitch? Don't put him in the bullpen. Don't do that to him because he needs to be a starter in 2024 for this team uh, when Flaherty goes in free agency and Jordan Montgomery goes in free agency. Like, it's only going to get worse from that perspective. So do not pigeonhole him into a bullpen role. And I might argue, unless you get Andre Pallante back here ASAP, you might as well have him be a starter in Memphis and just stretch out because they'll need him in next year's rotation too. Uh, is this what this feels like to be a Pirates or Reds fan over the last 10 years? 
Yeah, it, it, no, because this, this fan base has expectations, and I think those fan bases knew better than to do that. Uh, do I trust John Mozeliak to hire another manager? Uh, I would not say the Cardinals are in the business of looking for a manager right now, so it's a hard question to answer. Would I trust him to do it? Yeah, I think probably yes, but at the same time, I don't know that. It, let's say Ollie flames out and they have to hire one, or he resigns. Don't hire an internal candidate is what I would say, um, which is not to say that I don't think Ollie was a good hire. I do think he was. But if we're living in a world, I'll I'll join in your hypotheticals. I don't have any problem doing that. Let's say we're living in a world where by the end of 2023, Ollie is not the manager of the Cardinals anymore. That would mean that over the course of, what, five years, you fired three different managers or three different managers departed, Matheny, Schilt, Ollie at that point. I don't think it's going to happen. But at the same time, if it did, I would say, like, Mosaic looks to be a guy that's on the way out within the next three years or so. And so maybe that alignment wouldn't make sense of, I'm going to hire the guy that hopefully is going to outlive my tenure uh, with the team. That would maybe be a little bit skeptical. But I don't think the Cardinals are going to be hiring a manager. I'm still going to be that guy that says Ollie Marmel is going to figure this out. I think he's I think he is a better manager than Mike Schilt, although Mike Schilt I think is a good manager. I think Ollie Marmel is a better manager than Mike Matheny. And, and that's all I've got with that. Scott says my feed is breaking up. I'm sorry if that's true. We've been going for an hour. I'm hooked up to Ethernet, so it is what it is on that front. Um, I can only do what I can do. John Mozeliak is the MLB equivalent to uh, Kevin Colbert of the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers and Cardinals have had a lot of similarities, I would say, in terms of their organizations. But what's been so weird the last few years has been the turnover at manager for the Cardinals, whereas uh, Tomlin in in Pittsburgh has just continued to go along. Uh, Descafani tomorrow, yeah, he's been good. He's a guy that the Cardinals, I mean, they faced him way back when he was with the Reds. So could be tricky, but... You're a major league lineup. You're on paper a pretty good lineup. The Cardinals have got to find a way to rise above that. Scott does say it's effing embarrassing baseball. Certainly not the Cardinal way. I thought it was embarrassing and disgusting, the uh, the two errors in one play. That was the low moment of this season, even lower than the moment where Tyler O'Neill kind of maybe wasn't hustling and didn't score on the, the play at Bush a few weeks ago. This was lower than that. Um, but it could have been absolved by just holding the lead in the ninth, and then uh, they didn't do that. And so... That sort of gets amplified even more, the errors that happened early in this game because they didn't win. Uh, Bally tweeted a video of Hells owning that one. At least he spoke to the media. Yeah, good credit to that for Ryan Helsley. Like, that sucks, dude. That had to be a hard moment for him. Um, he's a really good player, really good pitcher, and had a really bad moment tonight, but owned up to it after the fact, which I can appreciate. And, like, they don't really the, – the players don't owe us that, but it feels like – Give credit to the players when they do that. As fans, like you, you should appreciate hearing from him and saying, "Hey, man, I I messed up. I don't know what he said, but I assume it was something along those lines. I missed my location on that slider, and they, I hung it, and I cost us the game." It's good that he was able to own that at the very least. I'll watch it after this and and be able to let you know what I thought. Uh, read this comment from Rob. If you've got any last moments, we're gonna r- wrap this thing up because we're kind of all ready to go to bed. I think. Rob says when you're talking long-term success and MLB, a big part of it is having enough trade pieces to build up the current year's team. The Cardinals have that box check. Got to do something with it. Yeah, they've got trade pieces. Here's the problem. The Cardinals have not been great at making trades. Uh, the Arenado trade, the the, uh, the trade for Goldschmidt, those are different. Those are blockbusters that took years of planning and then they fell into their laps. But like those, those trades of we've got excess. We've got excess outfielders. You could argue excess middle infielders. We've got excess subpar pitching, right? Like they've got more pitchers than they need, 
in terms of the Woodfords are going to be moved out of the rotation, right? Because they're going to be squeezed out by Wainwright returning. But is the rotation a strength? Not necessarily. They've got a lot of, not to use the word mid, but they've got a lot of mid-level talent. And those kinds of players are not, like, they're not fetching a lot on the trade market. Or at least John Mozeliak in the offseason tried to work the trade markets. He didn't succeed. So it's just been really difficult to see them maximize their roster. And we can have another conversation about, like, all right, Dylan Carlson was a hot commodity in July. He's lost a lot of value since then. Do I think at the time it made sense to trade him for, say, Juan Soto? No, because he'd have given Walker, win and then a whole bunch of other guys, too, that people forget about. But do we acknowledge that, like, certain guys in the organization, if they're now a fourth outfielder or in a platoon, that the Cardinals didn't maximize them in terms of their value when they could have? Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's a definite obvious yes. Uh, Ryan, was a reason for Holiday's resignation ever given? Did he see the writing on the wall and decide no thanks? Uh, there, I don't know what the reason was. Like, they more time with family. It was a mistake for Holiday to ever accept the job. Like, no, I don't think the Holiday thing was he knew this team was going to suck and he didn't want to be a part of it. He probably found out what a bench coach was and was like, oh, geez, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. Like, I literally think it's as simple as that with Holiday. It sounded good in theory because, oh, I can hang out with buddies and do the, do the coaching thing. And then you kind of realize, oh, it's like a job. It's work. That's really all it was. Holiday's got too much money in the bank, has a kid that's rising through the system for the Orioles, has no reason to have taken this job in the first place. It was surprising when he did. And for a moment, it was a jolt when he, when he then resigned. But five seconds later, it goes, well, duh, of course he doesn't want to do this job. Uh, people on Twitter want Helsley DFA'd. Rob, bro, this is what I deal with, man. This is what I deal with every time something goes wrong for the Cardinals. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see them DFA Helsley. That's gonna happen. Uh, and, and yeah, he wanted to be about helping his son, being around family for holiday. Like, it was weird that he took the gig. Maybe he thought, like, in his in his mind, he thought, well, Jackson is now graduated high school. I'm not gonna miss his high school ball anymore. Maybe this is a time to get into coaching if I ever want to be an MLB manager. Um, which he had previously said he would he would not take a gig unless he was getting like the full gig, like manager. And he's seen enough guys, former players, just jump right into that chair that he thought, hey, maybe that'll happen for me someday, and it would be kind of cool if it did. Um, but then he said yes to the bench coach thing, which it's just it was surprising when it happened, and so not surprising, especially when you just step back and think of well, what were the reasons he didn't want to do something like that before? Those reasons hadn't changed significantly. So no, it wasn't like he knew that the Cardinals were going to be terrible. It was just kind of the nature of it. Holly was afraid that Ollie would overshadowed uh, would be overshadowed and the fans would be clamoring for him. Uh, there probably would have been some of that, and it would have been just as dumb as saying on Twitter that Ryan Helsley should be DFA'd. I tried to get through all the comments that I could. I appreciate you guys so much for joining me tonight. Make sure you drop a like on the stream and a subscription on the channel before you head out of here. But that is going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll be back here probably tomorrow as well. I'll let you know on Twitter. Uh, turn on the notifications on YouTube because that way you'll never miss a stream. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. I wish the circumstances were better. We'll see if the Cardinals are able to rebound against the Giants tomorrow. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily Live. Peace.